cleverly, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It is Monday, the 17th of May, 2021, and it is time, donks, for Morning Combat. Hello, everyone. I am one half of your hosting duo. Both of us are from CBS Sports. My name is Luke Thomas. That there is Brian Campbell, the king of Connecticut, and uh, back freshly from the left coast. BC, how was your time moonlighting as an actual, you know, a, a, a member of the media, sports media that people care about? Uh, financially productive, Luke. Okay, uh, despite the uh, the regular claims online that I wear pants that are way too tight. I saw those remarks, everyone. Uh, the you know the pandemic hasn't been easy on my diet. Thank you very much, Luke. Uh, I chose to wear what I call the Motel Six pants. You know what I mean? No ballroom, Luke. So it was a it was a long night there, but uh, I, I I pulled it through. Okay, thank you. Good. Well, I'm glad you're back. You have seen it in uh, UFC 262, yes. I just literally just finished it, Luke. I spent the whole day yesterday traveling. Uh, you know, it's weird when you travel and you got your phone in airplane mode and then you turn it back on and you got alerts and reactions. Like I had uh, I had like 60 likes from Caitlin Chukagian alone. I had to like DM her and be like, wrong BBC. <laughs> just, just okay. Hey, it was it was easy. It was there was low hanging, you know, it was, it was just it's <laughs> just, you know. Oh, right. uh, that's going to get us fired. <laughs> yeah, or maybe not. I don't even know anymore. All right. Well, that's the, listen, that's your bomb to deal with later. Uh, okay. On the show today, UFC 262 reaction, some Showtime boxing reaction. We'll look ahead because there's some fights this weekend, both with Bellator on Friday and then UFC, of course, back in action on Saturday and everything in between. If you are watching and you're new to the channel, maybe you picked us up from the UFC 262 post-fight show, welcome. Thumbs up on this one. Hit subscribe if uh, that's not you. Uh, you can see all of our social media outlets there. Morning Combat name is the same everywhere. BC and I have slightly different names between Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you want to email the show. Wednesday, we do fan submissions. Friday, we do dead wrong. Morningcombat at gmail.com. Hit us up right there. That's your place to go. And BC, we do have merch right now, which will be at show.store.com. You are much more invested in this process than I, and I know you have... Well, do you have an update? What do you have? <laughs> You're like, all that shit I don't care about, like documentaries and merch. Uh, yes, our, our new Merch 2.0 website, uh, which will be different than the first, will have uh, much more an uh, advancement in terms of creative direction within the week i mean we are dead close look uh we've gotten people maybe a little too excited ahead of it that's because they got us a little too excited all the t's are getting crossed the the i's getting dotted from a legal standpoint though we are very close you will not be able to get this apparently on uh on first launch but maybe one day you can wear this yellow shirt uh but in the meantime please go to store.show.com uh, you want to dress like bill and jen in the rv and why wouldn't you okay why don't you get yourself a green hoodie but luke the new stuff's coming i can't wait i can't wait to see our people outfitted once you and i hit live fights again because luke i don't know if you saw but las vegas is wide open no masks no rules you can walk around with, with you know uh if you got a big they're gonna search it right you it, it, you know it's back baby so i hope to see people in vegas for uh connor poiwe three wearing our shit luke especially the international folks i can't wait i can't wait brother uh i don't know how much international folks are gonna be oh there might be some i guess there'll be some uh capacity for that i don't know exactly what the rules with that would be but in any case um 
Two things. One, I said it was put up put up the website for the the URL for the for the store, please, one more time. Because I know I had stated it incorrectly. I'm going to do it again. Yes. I think I had said show.store. As you can see here, it's store.show, not the other way around. Two, your sign says factory tough, BC. Yet, as we've established, you've never actually worked in a factory. Not true. I feel like you're appropriating a blue-collar work ethic that you don't really have the background to promote. I was the shipping and receiving manager at a factory as recently. But you didn't as, work. You didn't work as recently on the as assembly 2006, line. Okay, I did. I, I I did some work on there. I, I was the delivery driver sometimes too. I've done a lot of bad shit. Well, you know, I was the janitor at Stop and Shop. So come, come talk to me, Luke. Okay, please. <laughs> I didn't say you didn't have other bad jobs. I'm just saying if you're a factory tough, shouldn't you have worked on the assembly line? I feel like that's my community. Like a, my community was built upon factories, okay? You know, they fell apart as I was coming of age, and it, it really explains my personality a lot in, in my makeup, but that's another topic for another day. Luke, it's great to see you looking so young and alive. You're really, to be honest, you're, you're probably a just-for-men package away from passing for 35, and I'm, I'm proud of you for that. 3,500. Motherfucker, I look. Someone put up a picture yesterday. I retweeted it. I think it was like UFC 144, UFC 145, something like that. This is the one that was, if I'm not mistaken, Jones versus Evans in Atlanta. And when I had shocker, I didn't have a full head of gray hair. I was like, wow, I wasn't. I've not always been a completely washed POS, but those are distant memories. Yeah, BC. when you hosted MMA, then you were a good-looking guy looking for some foreign booty. True or false? <laughs> uh. Whatever I was, I'm not that. <laughs> I'm not that anymore. All right, let's get to the show here. Let's kick things off. Still UFC 262 was the crown jewel of the combat sports weekend, and we start with your main event. Topic number one, if I may. Charles Oliveira, can you believe it? Doe Bronx is your UFC lightweight champion. He defeats via, I think it was TKO is the official way. Maybe KO, I have to look again. But stops with strikes. Michael Chandler in the second round. Okay, BC. There are a lot of different questions about this, though the first thing I would say is, or I would ask you rather, what can we say about his performance, Charles Oliveira? What can you say about his road to the title? What an incredible performance. What an incredible fight. You know, this wasn't the lightweight title fight I would have booked, and we've been up and down that, but I did, you know, course correct later in the week last week and say at the same time, this fight might be like, you know... Uh, explosive theater, and it was. And I thought Chandler by KO was the right bet, Luke. And it nearly looked like it was at certain points. And that speaks, obviously, to the talent in this division, the, the incredible fighting spirit and exciting styles that these two guys have. But ultimately, for Dubronx, uh, just, you know, a guy who believes in himself so much. I mean, what a freaking finisher. Luke, we remember guys like this in college. Skinny guys. Not overly good-looking, decent personality, not a lot going for them, but they finished. And they finished in a big way, Luke. And I always feel like the deciding factor in that regard was confidence. The, the confidence to turn his career around, moving up from featherweight to lightweight. Uh, I don't know, you know his finishing status in his real life, but in the cage, it's incredible. And he stuck to his game plan. And even in a... Uh, in a, in a guillotine, even after being knocked down with punches, he never buckled. And that's why that celebration afterwards was so genuine and real. And I think a lot of us connected with it 
similar to when Rose beat uh, Zhang Wei Li a couple weeks back. It just had that like long road to get here or for Rose to get back here type of feel. Uh, what a performance. And, you know, he don't look bad with that belt after seeing what he did to Michael Chandler. I may think Dustin Poirier is still the best of among the active 155ers in the world. But we're going to probably have to find that out if he gets through Connor the third time and maybe we set up a match with him, but with Charles. But in the meantime, uh, Charles was as advertised, Luke. What a great fight. What a great performance. Uh, in a weird way, I, I'm proud to have him as champion. I don't even know how I can fully explain that. But, you know, we never really heard his story because his win streak came in the shadow of everything going on with Habib and Connor and all that. So to see it come full circle right here, it was a great moment. Yeah, it was a really great moment. I said one thing on Saturday night, which I would repeat, which is, you know, if you look at like why Michael Chandler jumped the guillotine, other guys have done that on him and had some decent success, or at least you know made some progress in the fight with it. Some have won outright with by jumping guillotine on him. Um, and if you look at the way in which, for example, uh, you know he was able to survive that onslaught at the end of the first when he got clipped on the feet and then followed up with a ground and pound on underneath, you know he didn't always show the kind of awareness and situational resolve in the past that he did this time. That was a very experienced performance. I mean, you get hit like that by Michael Chandler, who's a devastating finisher inside the first and second round, and you find a way to hang on. Man, that's pretty impressive. We already knew his jiu-jitsu was good. You saw that come to life here a little bit, but I was more impressed by that. But I think the, the bigger lesson here, BC, something I've thought about since Saturday night was, listen, if... It wouldn't be exactly fair to call Oliveira like a lightweight Demi and Maya. Demi and Maya was decorated in jiu-jitsu and then came over to MMA. Charles Oliveira obviously has really good jiu-jitsu, but that, that's not exactly been his path. He's been doing MMA, as we know, certainly been in the UFC the last 11 years at a very young age, so he, didn't, he doesn't have that exact same comparison. But what I mean is, if you just want to be that guy who's really, really, really good at submissions, dude, you're going to get some big wins. You're going to be in some big fights. You're going to break some big records, and you're going to be, be memorable. But if you want to be champion, there's got to be, for the most part, Habib notwithstanding, there's got to be some serious dimensionality to your game. BC, he has real dimensionality. He is attacking everywhere from every position from every range and from conceivably almost every scenario except the one where he's getting bombed on but as we talked about he showed incredible resolve that corner he turned and it's a big one not a small one but that corner he turned when he became a dual threat it changed the trajectory of his yeah. career forever it did, but I don't want to underscore the, the turnaround and confidence and the commitment because think of where he was, Luke. So he's on this eight-fight win streak, but just think like two years ago where he was. Not in our collective consciousness from the standpoint of viable lightweight title contenders. He was in a long line behind so many stars. And I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm here to raise the flag and say his, his confidence, his mental strength, you know, it, it's a big part of this. His ability to function within chaos, though, and you certainly saw that in this in the first round against Chandler, uh, seems to be next level. And that's such an underrated part of the full package when somebody gets to this title level, especially in a division that that is always this batshit crazy in terms of the type of opponents you have to face, the danger that they bring, and the, the crazy chaotic nature that some of these fights in this division can take. I mean, his ability to not get finished, to not get stopped. I mean, did you see the little head swivel on the ground after he was dropped? by Chandler's punches, just very aware and very, you know, cognizant of everything. It was such an impressive performance. And yet at the same time, Luke, this was a great advertisement for the division, for the UFC brand, and even for Chandler. I mean, you know, 
this is one of the better losses, I think. You know, a guy that we argued had he deserved it, he came in there guns blazing. He's done everything right in his UFC run. He showed you at the end who he is. Same guy in the Eddie Alvarez fights. He's vulnerable because he's a gunslinger, but if he can get to you first... And he did against Oliveira more often than not he'll finish you. It just didn't happen here. So I think Chandler actually, in a weird way, gets elevated from this. I want to ask you, though, something very small. Maybe you didn't feel it. I felt it. Maybe I'm a, a closet Chandler super fan and I haven't realized it yet. Was the stoppage just a little too quick, considering how crazy the fight was and Chandler's history of getting rocked and coming back? In real time, I did not feel that way. I went back and I watched it a couple more times, and they're right when the fight get the instant the fight gets stopped. That one moment, you can see Chandler try to get an elbow through and a forearm, like he's still trying to get to his feet. So I'll say this: I think that, the, that that's a very difficult call. I think you can make an argument that it probably should have gone on a little longer. Um, but I don't want to hang the referee over this one. I mean, I, we so often reflexively are like, the referee didn't get it right. The judges didn't get it right. I think we got to make those arguments and make it a point when you've got a really strong case. There is one here, but in real time, I, I think the referee made the best call that they could. It's given so the close. The referee had enough facts in front of him to make that call. The repeated shots, uh, you know, the, 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 the setup that led to that. But I just think... Uh, even though I do believe Chandler was concussed and, and, and you know and not fully with it, I do believe he could have kept going. Sometimes in title fights, you want to see that little more. But with what with the facts in front of the referee, I'm not damning him. Who was that, by the way, Luke? Was it? Uh, uh, I forgot. I, uh, I forgot. I've forgotten too. All right. Well, yeah. Hey, shout out All to right, that. Wait, okay, but let's get let's get back to Oliveira for a second. So here's a question that I also got on Saturday night. To what extent? Not even do you think he's the best lightweight? Because we can just play with that one forever. But a better question, which is, do you imagine? He's going to hold this belt for a long time. I don't. And that's nothing. That's not a knock against him. That's just this division is great. I think Poirier could beat him. I mean, look, anybody could beat each other at this very elite level, especially when you remove the that big block that was Habib that, that was a problem for everyone. Um, I, I think, I, you know, I'd favor Poirier to beat him, but the reason why I think it's going to be hand, passed around a little bit is with Habib out, I think we're going to have, and you mentioned this in the past, a similar situation to where the light heavyweight division was before John Jones, where you have all-time great fighters, Machida, Sugar Rashad, Rampage, uh, you know, etc. Forrest, but they're going to pass the belt among each other, and anyone can win at any night. I think that's what the future is going to bring for this division. Because you're telling me a retooled Justin Gaethje can't come in there and, and you know, and potentially finish uh, Oliveira. Mm. All of these possibilities are on the table. I give Charlie Olives the full credit for maximizing his greatness, carving out his name in history. But it's probably going to be batshit crazy from here on out each title fight. And that's going to be great for ratings and great for our interest level for sure. I just don't see a long-term champion coming out of the group we have right now, Luke. Yeah, it's, uh, for any of them. I, even if Poirier wins, do I think he's going to hold it for a long time? I, I don't think so. McGregor, definitely don't think so. Um, you know, who else you could throw in there? If Chandler had won, I probably would say the same thing. Do I think he's going to hold it for all that long? Probably not, because he's 34, almost going to be 35. One thing to point out here about the career of Charles Oliveira, BC, uh, you know, he's 31 and 8 with one no contest. Can you imagine? And again, everyone in MMA loves to bash boxing. I don't mean it in this way. What I mean to say is if he was 31 and 8 and you were watching a boxing main event, you'd be like, that's almost unheard of that this is the most important feature. And that in that moment, the 31 and 8 moment, they actually have one of their better performances and they show all this incredible uh, promise fulfilled. 
it's just unheard of. But I, I, all I mean to to do is draw attention to the fact that this guy's road of development is not the normal road that we see in sports, which is incremental, somewhat safe, managed as they climb through the top. This guy was thrown to the fucking wolves right away and he stumbled every time he tried to get near the top of that division look at his losses donald cerrone frankie edgar cub swanson pass a few years max holloway pass a little more time pettis lamas felder anytime he tried to climb up a little bit he just couldn't get it done until he figured it out to your point bc even in 2019 he was still fighting the jared gordon's of the division good fighters but at the very cream of the crop that we know of and then everything just kind of came together. It's a very unusual way to achieve real greatness, but real greatness achieved. A very, very special look, guy. I don't think it would have been wrong or negative hipster coming into this fight if you had picked Chandler, which I did, and you had said, look, Oliveira may have an eight-fight win streak in the best division possible to have that win streak, but it has come against, to your point, like the Jared Gordon levels of guys. Okay, then he beat future champion Kevin Lee, but that was a, a period of, you know, question marks on him. And then he beat an old Tony Ferguson, but we, who we didn't know was necessarily too old. But that, you know, there's a lot of what-ifs in that run. Yet he just went out there and finished Chandler and won the championship and did it exactly what his reputation is known for, getting another finish. So, uh, you know, that's why this sport is such great theater, and that's why you can never count anyone out. But, you know, again, well, I mean, what a, I just want to sit here and tip my cap and celebrate what he's done because it's great to see someone learn from those L's, Luke. And yes, it's great it, to MMA, see someone, when they put that belt on him, dude, like, did he not look like the happiest man on earth, you yes. know? Because he knows the he knows what he put into that into this. Right. I, you know, I don't want to compare you know us to these fighters. It's a different. It's apples and oranges. But I, I certainly can be inspired and can relate to to you know Oliveira's ability to use his his L's in his career as fuel as a, as a chance to recharge. But uh, what these guys do physically and mentally, the tax the taxation of representation here, Luke, to be a fighter at this level and to go through that turnaround that he did. That's why you saw that emotion come out. I mean, it's 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 crazy, especially in this division, Luke. I just kind of put him down and said he didn't have to beat the murderer's row to get here. But anyone in the top 15 in this division is a horrible night at the office. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's no doubt about it. And uh, what I loved about this fight was how back and forth it was and how kind of crazy the ending was. But also to your point, like, it's something we've been underscoring. You know, these guys showed vulnerabilities. Both of them showed vulnerabilities, uh, quite candidly, you know. Uh, Oliveira didn't show that he was invincible. He showed that he had perseverance, two different kinds of things, which means he's going to be in exciting fights, I think, no matter what. And he may win or he may lose against the top of these, but I, I really like what he's become. I'll put it that way. One last question about Chandler, BC. Someone, I think I retweeted this morning, a buddy of mine, Raphael, was tweeting that he wanted to see Justin Gaethje fight Michael Chandler. Now, I don't know if the timing of that works out, but I got to say, I love that fight. What do you think makes sense next for Michael Chandler? Yeah, I think that's a perfect fight because you want to, you don't want to see him get take a like a an overly large step down in terms of the matchmaking level just to refresh him with a win. It's not his style, it's certainly not UFC style. Uh that fight would be, I mean, that, look, that's one of those non-title pay-per-view main events. UFC probably wouldn't make that a pay-per-view main event, but if they wanted to and just sold it on the action potential alone and the idea that the winner, you know, takes a large step closer to a title shot, I mean, it's such a great and perfect fight. I hope it's it's no worse than that, and that's a great fight. And, and you know, you said the vulnerability. Everybody in this division is vulnerable right now. It's wild. And, look, it really... 
We never do this, but can we just stop for a second and really give credit? GSP, John Jones, Anderson Silva, Amanda Nunes, the fighters who've been able to go on runs, like friggin' runs, you know what I mean? Where you are the champion for long stretches of time and you're fighting constantly, every type of style. There's so many damn ways to lose in this sport. And for them to go on those type of runs, it, it's so rare and so incredible uh, comparative to really any other sport in terms of how, how batshit crazy you can get in there and how you can lose by accident. Uh, this is why I always believe, BC, it's a broader debate. And I'm not saying being a champ champ is easy. It's not easy. It's, in, it's exceedingly difficult, and it's a special achievement. But if, gun to my head, if you had to ask me what's the toughest thing to do in MMA, I'm going to say, by and large, it's to be a champion of a UFC weight class and then stand a post and let wave of contender, yes. wave after contender, try and beat Demetrius you. Demetrius Johnson. Those guys, yeah, those guys are all ready to have their best night, and they're waiting for you to slip up just a little bit, you know? Yep. Habib, DJ, uh, also in that same conversation. Don't want to disrespect them. Yeah. 100%. Okay. Let's go now to point number two. We'll go to the co-main event. Tony Ferguson losing in the co-main event is probably the bigger story. I, I do want to get to that, but I want to be fair to the winner first. Not the most exciting fight in the world, BC. I think that's pretty fair to say. Although, I did think the first round was pretty good. Second and third rounds, uh, if you look at the numbers, we went over this on Saturday night, BC. Each round... Benil Dariush accumulated more and more control time. I think he had three and a half minutes in the first round. He had four and a half minutes in the third. So not especially exciting, but not especially controversial. One guy was just clearly better than the other. Okay, did you, out of this performance, get the idea that Benil Dariush is a real title contender? I should. I should, right? Because the performance was so one-sided and, and so competent in every category and really damn good. And the win streak he's putting together is great. But, you know, I am stained by the moment of the consecutive losses to Tony, for, for Tony, excuse me. And, you know, I know that that's the conversation we're going to pivot to in a second, but it, it's really hard for me to separate those two. I, I feel like it was more Tony than Benil in this case, but you can't even say that out loud because people take it out of context and don't really get what you're saying. Obviously, Benil won this fight because he proved he was good enough. That's why I said he was really the the worst kind of matchup for Tony if Tony wasn't back to being Tony again. Because he's aggressive, he's going to go after it, and it turns out you know he had every facet of the, of the game to show here to pull it off. But do I, is it wrong for me to say I still need to see a little bit more, Luke, before I'm going to think he's got a shot to, to, to beat any of those guys atop there that we mentioned in that upper core? I... I I think I think this. If he gets ranked inside the top five, I don't think that is scandalous. But based on this performance, and of course his career is much longer than this performance, but to the extent that we have his most recent performance, I think he he is a tough fight for anyone in that top five. And on a good night, maybe can beat them. I did not get the sense that we have a new force at uh, at 155 pounds in the top five that we have to really measure their impact in that space just yet. Is that fair? Oh, we agree then. I thought you were going to be coming at me here. We agree, Luke, then. Okay, we're on the oh, same team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't think it was in any way a bad performance. I just didn't think, I, I wouldn't call it an outstanding performance. Fair, very fair. But you would say it was well-rounded 
And, you know, how about him going to bat for his spouse to, to, to produce that follow-up tweet from Elon Musk to say, oh, crap, you know, we screwed up. That car is coming. Luke, I would have loved that same type of spousal protection during our uh, domestic <laughs> dispute with Josh Thompson, just to be honest with you. Right. Uh, dude, I've never seen someone who just needs their back rubbed more than you. Okay. <laughs> One thing to keep in mind, BC, I looked at the numbers for, because if you think about it, this is not the craziest thought. The Tony versus Charles Oliveira fight is not all that different. There are some differences, of course, but not hugely different from the fight between Tony and then uh, Benil Dariush, all the way to the point where, remember, he got his arm nearly snapped by Bronx and then toughed it out, nearly got his knee shredded to pieces, may have, in fact, but somehow found a way to tough it out, um, and then, of course, getting controlled all three rounds. The one big difference, though, is if you look at the significant strikes landed for Oliveira, it was more or less two to one on Benil Dariush. Now, even that two to one is not a huge amount, but it just kind of shows you a big reason why I think people are upset with Dariush's. He didn't do a lot of ground and pound. There wasn't a ton of very effective passing, a some, but I thought Tony had a great defensive guard for the most part, inverted the last two rounds. So it just wasn't like heavily offensive in a damaging kind of way. And I think that upset people. Is that a fair assessment? I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, biggest win of his career, I think he, he sort of won the moment. You know what I mean? He gave respect to, to not wanting uh, Tony Boo. I mean, not wanting, uh, you know, anything anything to happen to Tony's uh, connection with the fans and his legend and all that. But uh, he did what he had to do, though. So uh, it buys him an opportunity, Luke, to prove us wrong. And that's that's what you want at this point. Fair enough. Yeah, but I think that's right. He definitely He definitely deserves another opportunity against a really, really top guy. And then we'll see what he does. Last thing I'll throw right back to you. I apologize. It is worth saying out loud, Benil Dariush is usually, usually quite reliable for action. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very, he's not, I want, is it wrong to want to see him against Vicente Luque? Isn't that a different division? Oh, crap. You're right. I screwed that up. I was thinking he was... Because they remind me of each other so much in where their stance is in their division in terms of their reputation compared to the elite. But you're right. I totally screwed that up in my head. But it's kind of like... It would be like the perfect sort of bombs away scenario that I, I think their paths to contention has mirrored each other. And they both mm. just put away a big legend to uh, to sort of, you know, take that leap forward. And uh, they still have a lot to prove, though, that, that, that they All belong right. there. So. so let's get to the uh, bigger story here, which is Ferguson. And that's right. where I was going to interrupt you and ask you yeah. the first question, Luke. Are you ready for this? All right, let's do it. Look, this is a tough to take. This, this, you know, another wide loss for Tony at this age, knowing the damage he's accrued, all that. But does it make you change your Habib conversation and thought of what that fight would have looked like? Uh, and, I think and it if does. it's yes, is yeah. that unfairly? Is that unfair? I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so, and I'll tell you why. This is a question I. I had some opinions about, like everyone else, immediately in the aftermath of the fight, and then I thought about it a little bit more. And here's where I've come down. There's a question about what has happened to Tony, and why is he on a three-fight losing streak? And as we indicated, yes, he got beat up badly on the feet by Gaethje. I do think, dude, that beating really. That did him no fucking favors at all. I think that we just really got to say that out loud. That was a terrible beating that he took. And then the last two, getting his limb stretched is no great, no great sign either. But let's focus on those last two. Here's where I'm at. I am perfectly willing to believe, and I think the evidence is clear, that being 37 years of age at 155 pounds, it's a very difficult position to be. I don't think he's got the exact same 
zip and pop athletically that he used to. I think that's really clear. He's also absorbed, as I mentioned, a metric ton of damage. That has to play a role as well. But I think the bigger problem for MBC is not that he is so shopworn, he's a physical shell of himself. I actually don't think that's true. I think it's taken a toll, but I don't think it's gone that far. Here's the difference for me. I think the division has just really, really, really caught up with him. Even in previous fights, he did not necessarily have the best wrestling. Kevin Lee took him down multiple times and then passed his guard, even moved him out. You can go all the way back to the Abel Trujillo fight or even uh, Danny Castillo, right? The Danny Castillo fight is a big one where he got out-wrestled. The difference was, while he was thoroughly out-wrestled, he wasn't thoroughly out-grappled. Well, if you, if you go past those points, a lot of the other elite fighters he faced, Dos Anjos tried to take him down. But no one really tried to put him on it, put, put it on him, excuse me, in a wrestling, grappling, top control kind of way at the upper end of the division. Well, now you're getting that. And so to me, it's like, the, A, he's getting out-wrestled by a better part of the division. And also, um, that the division over time has naturally moved into a bit of a better space. He had advantages, BC, uh, where even if he got taken down, he was a real submission threat underneath. But Charles Oliveira is not going to fall for that stuff. Benil Dariush, for folks who may not know this, he has extremely good jiu-jitsu. He's not going to fall for that stuff. And so while I don't want to underrepresent BC, the damage and the age, I also think it's fair to look at the history of some of his weaknesses. They didn't cost him before. Now they are, but they've kind of always been there. So it's interesting. I came to the same conclusion that you just did, where you're saying it kind of—it's kind of always been there. You—you you framed it in the beginning, although you as as the division catching up with him, which which would suggest his style didn't evolve at the speed of everyone else, and that might be true. But I got to the same conclusion just by looking at it ultimately as he was able to cover up those deficiencies in the past, not only with you know crazy athleticism, awkwardness. Uh, savageness, meaning he would take on punishment almost willingly, and then within that chaos, do dramatic shifts of momentum that would win him the fights. And, you know, that chaotic style can only last for so long, and once you slow down, once you are not as dynamic in those special intangible categories that help you carry out that dramatic style, you get to become a little bit more ordinary. So we ended up in the same spot, Luke. I just feel like it's the diminished skills that is making it uh, easier for everybody to catch up than necessarily a lack of evolution. But I'll also say that, you know, we mentioned the... what? Go Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Just real quickly, I want to be... I I don't think it's a lack of evolution per se. What I mean to say is, BC, I think he achieved greatness by getting out in front of the pack. And listen, if you're fighting the 15th best fighter versus the 4th best fighter, chances are the grappling is going to get better at number 4 than it is at 15. You know, a couple of examples notwithstanding. So yes, in that sense, the division got better. But I also think he innovated a style that the division didn't really know what to do with. I think even now in that 10 to 15 space... They're going to have a lot better understanding of how to deal with that. That didn't. That wasn't the case five years ago. No, that 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 that's certainly very fair to say. And while it still falls under the category of age and mileage, I do think it's important to to mention that his pursuit of Habib at the peak of his win streak, which was also the pursuit of Tony finally getting what we feel like he deserved, and he felt like he deserved a shot at the full title, right? Something he never got. Something that 
excuse me, he tried and UFC tried many times, right? You know, he ended up, of course, with the interim strap at one point and then it got stripped from him somewhat unjustly. So it all combines together that he was operating at such a I have to be at my very best right now peak level for a length of time at the end of that win streak that when you mix in the grind of that, the mental, uh, you know, price of doing that with the fact that, Luke, I mean, he turned around that knee injury, the one where he slipped over the court at the Fox studio into that comeback fight. What was it? Was it Pettis or, or, or Cerrone that comeback fight was? Um, in such Pettis, I think. Such a stupid turnaround record time that while the, the rare ones can do that for a window and then still be at their best, which he was against Pettis, and it was a batshit crazy fight that I don't even think gets the love it deserves. I love that fight. But you knew like there was going to be a price for that, Luke. You know what I'm saying? That tax mm-hmm. that he put on his body, mix that with the strain of the outside-the-cage stuff with his family that he was going through, all that built a bubble that as long as he can keep that bubble together, he was going to be a threat to beat anybody, and that's why we, uh, me, I really believed he was the only guy that could beat Habib. Like, I really freaking believed it. Um... That bubble burst, Luke, and when that when that burst, you you can't put it back together, and it could burst because of injury, wear and tear. But but it, there's a lot of different strains within that window, is what I'm saying. I think that's fair. I also think you just have to look at the situation. I was going back and forth with Danny Segura on Twitter about this, saying, you know, I'm rethinking that that like, oh, was this the fight that really got away? We really needed to see. I, I, I'm not so sure anymore. And again, for the reasons aforementioned, and he was like, it's a different Tony. Fair enough, it's a different Tony. But the question is, is it a different enough Tony, let's say five, four years ago, whatever the time frame that you want to put his peak at, um, is that enough of a difference to still matter against that version of Habib? I I, I strongly question that. The guy has had, in, t- in case of Tony Ferguson, not lethal deficiencies in wrestling or grappling. That would not be true. And in fact, has some decent submissions. We know, especially with his darts, it's incredible. It's not like he's out of his element there, but you're talking about a generationally special guy I mean, did anyone ever take Habib's back? Have you ever seen him in a leg entanglement? Have you ever seen anyone hold him down? Like, dude, hey, hey, he's just on a completely different level. Even if the judges didn't recognize it, all right, put get, take the knee and give Tebow his due there in that regard. Um, but also, Luke, no, let's no, not forget. I didn't say take him down. I said hold him down. I mean, remember, remember. I'm, I'm having fun with you, Luke. Okay, we. we I know, I know, I, I know. I know. But it's just worth pointing out. Benil Dariush controlled him for 340 in the first round, 404 in the second, 431 in the third. I mean, can you imagine? How, how who could Kamaru Usman? Serious question. Could Kamaru Usman control Habib for four minutes and 31 seconds of a round? I actually don't think that he could. Uh, that that to me is the big difference here. Fair, fair. Final point on the whole idea of lamenting the fact that Tony and Habib didn't happen. We also can't forget that, like, Habib improved, like, dramatically, I think. You know, especially in rounding out his stand-up game in the last couple years. uh, You know, confidence level. I mean, everything. Like, you know, he, he became such a ridiculous force against Poirier and Gaethje by that point that um, I wonder if the Tiramisu night, that fight, Tiramisu weekend, 2017, I wonder if that would have been Tony's best chance, Luke. And I wonder if that would have been the best chance for us as fans to have seen that. I argued in print before that, you know, it got to the fifth time and that became the largest possible stage it could be. Habib's unbeaten record and maybe potential retirement in the future against Tony's win streak. Is he the only style that can beat him? But maybe really 2017 Tiramisu would have been the best time for that, Luke, in terms of... Uh, yeah, the, you know. I, I was there for that one. That was the rematch, I believe, of Woodley and Thompson. And I remember we did a Friday show 
because Habib, Habib never went to the weigh-ins. That's right. He went to the hospital, I think, that night. I, do, you, were you there for media day the no. day before? Negative. No? So I was there for media day, and I, I, I think I've told the story on air. I remember putting a microphone in Habib's face to do an interview, and he had – and, dude, I've been covering the fight game for a long time. He had the worst cotton mouth I'd ever seen. He could barely – open his mouth it was really really bad the fact that he ended up going to the hospital ended up not being surprising so you're right dude not only like in that moment where their skills were but in that moment where habib's weight cutting and health was that i think that i think would have been competitive but gun to your head given what we've seen since then it's very hard for me to conclude that habib would have made some kind of fatal mistake against that guy. I, I, I would I just, have taken I, I, I'm not 2017 convinced. Tony, for the record. I still would have taken 2017 Tony. Uh, final point on Tony. A lot of final points here, Luke. Um, did you feel that this was like by far the most Tony Ferguson was beloved by the UFC fans? That we, you know, we knew he's a fan favorite. We knew that already. But this was like extreme, almost like Chuck Liddell level love. Did you feel yeah. that? I did feel that. It was weird. You know what it felt like to me? It felt like the fan base has always loved well not always but i mean they came to a point where they really love tony that has stayed but that response partly i think the texas fans were just happy to be at an event but beyond that they were trying to will him to yes. back to winning they were trying to give him all the positive vibes they could to get him back in the w column but benil dariush is too good that is by the way that any sport when you're a fan of a legend and you're watching their waning years and they're like, you know, my favorite times as an NBA fan was Larry Bird's last two years with the Celtics, 91 and 92. It's like you didn't know every night if he's going to play, but if he does play, he's going to be back. You know, he's going to be the old guy again. He's going to have these magical nights. And then the rest of the week, he's going to not be able to stand up, right? Like, you love, Luke, that moment as a fan to try to be a part of that. I'd be like, Luke, when I go to concerts... If I'm standing close enough, I believe it's my responsibility to try to take part in willing the best possible performance out of the act. Is that crossing lines of art or that that's intent? Yeah, that's part of the deal, right? I don't know what rules of art are applied, but I, I think that's a, not an uncommon it, feeling. And look, I've succeeded. I just want you to know that I've succeeded, okay? I've 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 played a role in that in bringing I mean you know you you go see the head and the heart at Toad's place in 2014 on a you know night where college is out on a Monday night and you're like okay they're gonna mail in the set but no BC's in the front row he's gonna make you play two encores I mean he's going to pull that out of you and Luke I try to believe that at least in this show uh, I'm doing that with the emotions of our of our listeners and I think that's why they keep coming back. All right, topic number three, if we can. Uh, there were some other stars at UFC 262 BC. Give me one of them. What is another fight from, it could be main or prelim or early prelim, whatever you like. Give me another fighter from this card you believe deserves a shout out. Yeah, let's give the the guy in the picture right there, Edson Barbosa. Luke, I you know I may I may make horrible predictions all the time, but I really felt good telling you ahead of time that was going to be your fight of the night against. Um, uh, the, you know, Shane Burgos. Yeah, thank you. Shane Burgos. Um, and it, it's not like that's some sage-wise pick. I mean, we knew that coming in, but that that it's just the perfect time right now for Barbosa to win that with a guy who's going to come at him and bring out the guns. And, and it turned out a guy coming off a really tough, physically damaging loss that Burgos had a year ago to Josh Emmett. I felt that, you know, there's a little bit potential vulnerability there. But let's give Barbosa the full credit. At this weight class, Luke. He's an absolute killer. His body is just a machine, but he's got to be more efficient. 
and his power seems to carry more. I mean, when he went after Burgos's leg in the opening minute, I mean, that was like destructive, Luke. It was like, you're going to mess with this guy's future. Uh, it was it was intense, but the counter shots were clean. I mean, you know, he was he's always been wild and crazy and unpredictable at lightweight, and that's why we loved him. I feel like I'm watching a much more mature version of him. Now, he, I believe at the very elite level, he's going to need opponents like this who are really going to bring it out of him. I mean, I felt on the broadcast that Rogan was saying that he, he almost felt the opposite. He felt like if you you have to rush Edson to, to, to have your best shot, I'm, I'm thinking you rush Edson, you're going to bring that thing out of him. And the fact that he's doing it at a more uh, pinpoint efficient level as a counterpuncher right now, he's dangerous as shit, Luke. And with that name, I'm, he's going to end up in a title shot he doesn't deserve. It's going to happen because the UFC loves him. Fans love him. This is a great win for Edson Barbosa at this point of his career. Yeah, folks, right? I mean, this is just my opinion, but like, what was the value of going to 145? Because sometimes people change weight classes and it's transformative. And sometimes they change weight classes and it can be good for a time, but it doesn't really work out. It can be a disaster, certainly at times. So like, what separates what is you know a good uh, weight class change and whatnot? Part of it can be a weight cut, although he's actually making a more drastic cut here. Uh, so, you know, you, he was a physical force at 155. I would imagine he'd still have most of that at 145. But I just feel like he's also kind of sort of figured out, like, how people want to beat him and worked a way around that. It's kind of like an adapt adaptation to an adaptation. But I, I don't want to, like, say, like, oh, do I th was I convinced he's going to win a title at 145? Like, in that sense, I don't feel like this is a new lease. I think if I feel like it's a meaningful extension of the kinds of things he did really well fight. at lightweight now at 145. No, I think you're right. Would you agree with me that, and this is why I thought this was kind of a trap fight for Burgos, that he was going to be too consistently aggressive against his own good. If you're if you're going to get somebody who can who can be quicker and commit to the jab and commit to trying to outpoint fight Barbosa, the elites are going to beat him in this division. It's the truth at the end of the day. Right. I mean, here's the thing. It's like. You're talking about pressure of Barboza. You can do the Habib thing, but that's you know that's kind of unique to his skill set. But you can do the Justin Gaethje thing. Justin Gaethje, the reformed Justin Gaethje, he stopped our Barboza in the first round. I think after two and a half minutes, and put insane, intense pressure on the guy. Now I'm not saying that's the only way to beat Barboza, BC, but that kind of pressure where the guy can't set his feet and he's getting backed up to a ridiculous degree. That, that guy has a hard time winning. Burgos left him way too but much space. Don't you need two things to do that, Justin Gaethje style? You need you need elite-level balls. Uh, actually, three. You need elite-level balls, the chin to back it up, and the firepower to make the pressure worth it. Yeah, but Burgos like has all three of those. Not, uh, not There's not, to, not a moment to damn Burgos, but no, not at the super elite level he doesn't, Luke. And that's why he okay, lost I mean, his fight. So far, so far at the super elite level, he's not shown us that. But he's got firepower. He's got a keen understanding oh, of the striking he's game. Very and well he's very well-rounded. And, and, he, and dude, Burgos takes a shot. Dude, people land on Burgos. He's in firefights. It's just that you've got... You if you're not Gaethje, you can't pull that off, okay? So I think if you're elite, you got to be a little more finesse and use your speed and, and try to make Edson miss and frustrate him. And we do have people in this division that can do that beautifully, by the way. So it's probably going to be hard for him when he gets to the top. But to your point, this was a veteran getting a big win to get himself another big future payday. For sure. And, you know, the Burgos knockout was scary and different, uh, but he performed ably, too. He landed on Barbosa. That was the thing. Like, Barboza ate some big shots, too. There's no doubt about it. It's just 
Barboza at kicking range, forget it. He's going to light just about anybody on fire. And then, dude, his counter punching when he could see on that right side, especially uh, uh, Burgos entering the space and then and then trying to like stay in the pocket and go. Man, he was getting set on fire. It was incredible. It was a really great job, Barboza. That's sure. one of those things where it's like I don't think it's going to necessarily change his fortunes ultimately, BC. But he might win or do better in fights by virtue of some of the extra hand work he's got he's got going these days. I mean, have you ever seen him that sharp? Seriously, I know you watch that stuff a little bit closer than I do. I, On his yeah, punching, actually, no, no, no. Yeah. He looked great. Uh, and then I'll just shout out Lando Venata real quick. I did not think that was a split decision win for him. I think that should have been unanimous, which I know is a weird kind of comment to make. But someone had well, thirty twenty seven. For okay, Mike that, Grundy. that card sucked, but I, I gave Grundy the first round, and I thought he had a shot at winning the second round. It's a little bit of a stretch, but I thought he had a sh- he has an argument, so I wouldn't have gone three nothing for him. But no, he, no, he, no, he I, I, you can give him a round. I don't think you can give him much more than that. Candidly, anyway, Lando Venata made one forty five, looked smooth doing it. I thought a lot of his strengths were dialed in. He had great takedown defense, breaking the hands apart. He was really good at that. You know, he's still chasing a finish that he hasn't had in a while, but to me, 145 looks like a great weight class for him, and I am I have a bit of a renewed vigor for what might be possible down there. We'll, we'll see. I think that's sober and fair. He, he didn't look as vulnerably wild as he has in the past so if the more he can i mean you know he's probably due for a jeremy stevens run type run where you you you're a wild man but you you put enough craft on it in a season of of intense focus to improve and you can get pretty high you won't get to the title shot but you can get pretty high before you get sort of brought back down to earth is that wrong luke no i think that's right and also uh andrea lee having antonina shevchenko in a triangle for almost four minutes, it appeared, and then in the last 10 seconds extended, tucking the arm behind her and extending for the arm bar. I got to say, I know that was a sad moment for you, BC. Yeah, yeah, tough, tough loss. I consider myself, you know, the 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 third Shevchenko sibling, in a lot of way, the only male in in the in the, uh, in the family. The third there. sister. And, uh, <laughs> no, uh, I mean, look, Antonina's it, she's tough. If she can control the terms of the fight, she'll overexceed, you know, and, and be better than you think she is. But man, if you take her down, Luke, it's 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 almost remedial level at time at times right i mean there, she's been dominated by people on the ground yeah it's not a high level of grappling it's not a high level right, that um, was okay that was fair that was short all right hey how about those, say? did you like the, the 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 tweets and and messages from valentina it was like very heartfelt like you're still my hero and like a string of pictures of them together like i was i was moved by that am i just too close to the product at this point luke yeah i think so i, I didn't care <laughs> all right <laughs> Let's go to topic number four, if we can here. BC was out there live, and I caught it and I watched it. Brandon Figueroa beating Luis Neary on Showtime Boxing in your main event. And not only that, stopping him in the seventh round. Guy couldn't make the 10 count after eating an absolutely vicious, vicious body shot. Okay, BC, 122 pounds. Brandon Figueroa is doing good stuff. Your biggest takeaway from that win on Saturday night is I don't li- I don't like a style historically people have had you know criticisms of the Figueroa brothers style because of their size and their length that they just don't stop coming in almost reckless fashion but Luke he's really damn good cuz I didn't think this was a fight that he was going to win once I saw how the first couple rounds broke out and I'm like okay Neri looks crisp he's landing hard clean shots you know there was that thing in the back of your mind of course of with Figueroa's pace 
could he gas out an area? And I think uh, you know there was a big shift in the middle in the in the you know fourth fifth round that set up this finish here that I think you know Neri really started to hit a, hit a wall of fatigue. But it's because of the suffocating pressure of Figueroa, and to see him finish it with a knockout. I mean, like that, Luke. Of all the options on the board, that would not been one that you would pick, and to do it with such a clean and perfect body shot. His celebration was had a genuine feel to it, and I think he's going to be a very fun. It's going to be a fun ride to see how far he could take this style. Is really what I'm going to say. He's going to have obviously a tough fight up next against Stephen Fulton Jr. We know Akhmadaliyev's the other guy in the division with two belts. Danny Roman had a big win on Saturday. I mean, this division is great and Showtime is really putting the clamps down on it and I love that. But Figueroa's style is eventually going to get him where he's going to regret it, Luke. And I thought he was regretting it at certain points in this fight, although the fight was so close and impressive that, as you saw in the end, the judges were very split on it. But it didn't catch up with him, Luke. And, you know, I, he's going to have no reason not to just keep doing that. But, Luke, that can't be the best style for, for his skill set. And his. I mean, I think he's better than his brother ever was skills-wise. Yet he's given up a lot, of, a lot of damage that I don't think he needs to take. Yeah, I'm looking at that body shot he landed, that left uh, sort of uppercut, that shovel punch right to the ribcage. I'm going to say something, BC, and I wonder how you're going to take this because I... I want to make a plea to MMA fans. Keep rolling the highlights if you can there, Gaff or Manich, whoever is uh, running it. Just let it just let it go. Not the slow motion ones. I mean, you can run it through. But if you get a chance, run the normal speed stuff through as I talk this talk this out. BC, I, I, I have not paid attention to Figueroa too, too much in terms of the details of his game. But I want to see how he would handle this one. Because you watch the first round, they kind of just fight apart. There's not a whole lot of along the ropes or in close quarters like they did here. There's a little bit of it, but not a ton. It's from the second round on that you begin to see that. Folks, if you're an MMA fan and you like MMA striking, let me introduce you to Brandon Figueroa. Here is a guy who uses frames, collar ties, and endless, very well-disguised stance switching to give his opponent fits. I want you to watch these re these, these uh, re replays. Watch how many times he's in southpaw. Watch how many times he's in orthodox. Look at here, he is in southpaw, and he'll move and switch on a dime. Here he is staying in southpaw. Look at that. And then just uh, throwing back. Now stays in southpaw here. Keep rolling it through. Watch, you'll see a switch. Almost gets square for a second. There he is. Now he's, now he's orthodox using a frame and a collar tie. This guy would keep his hand on Neary as Neary tried to exit to not let him get away, which would reforce the clinch. Here he is. You see more of the collar tying and the clinching. He has a very, and I do mean very, unusual game. To your point, BC, I don't know if this takes him to the top of the 122-pound division. In fact, probably not. But I will say the fact that he does what he does in the unique way that it does Neary had no answer for it. If you actually listen to the commentary, and I think they were right, Neary's punching early was having a pretty big effect. You could hear it. It just looked more substantive than what Figueroa was doing. But Figueroa was beginning to make all those changes side to side, collar tying, pushing, pulling, overhooking, underhooking, changing stances, not letting him get away, putting a hand on him. Dude, I was very impressed by Brandon Figueroa in this fight. It, it, it worked. It worked. And and I just don't think it should. And here's what I mean by that. So he's got long arms and he's tall for the weight. The same thing his brother Omar was uh, when he was back when he was at lightweight. But you want to, so it's like, okay, so what do I want? Do I want to see him stand back and use that length and use his jab from distance? 
Maybe maybe he could do that, but maybe he won't have that chance to be as good as he can be without this crazy style. So obviously I think there's a middle ground, and that would be reforming the style just a bit. I think right now he does get hit too much and puts himself in the spot to get hit too much. It's it's part of getting off those those punch combinations. Now he didn't pay, he didn't pay for Neri's power though, and that's maybe it's another discussion in a moment on Neri's future based on his own if he proved that he can punch at this weight class. But you know Figueroa showed us a great chin and. Okay, when he commits to that style, it makes you brawl because it's constantly in your face. He's in better shape than any of these guys. He will go 12 hard rounds. I don't think he has elite power, though, Luke. So I think that, though, that he can learn some more power. His best punches are when he gets down, bends over, and throws those looping hooks. He was catching Neri left and right with those. I think that the problem, though, is there wasn't a ton of power on them. If he can learn how to really sit down and generate better thrust and just be a little bit more judicious and efficient, I think that's why they brought in Joel Diaz to be his co-trainer behind his father, Omar Sr., to try to help add some wrinkles to him. I think if he commits to this, which he will, that's what the family does. They, they love this style. Um, there's still a shot, Luke. I don't know if he can prove he's the best in the division at any point, but there's still a shot, I think, given his athleticism, his uh, you know, his age, all that, his commitment to this, that he maybe could be a puncher if he can change some things and figure it out. But as of right now, uh, you know, that's why I thought this was a, a such a shocking ending. Is we don't look at him as a puncher until that body shot really that that got him the win. Yeah, no doubt about it. The the, the commentators uh, again, as I said before, rightly were like, "Wow, Neri's doing great work." And I think they had Neary ahead on the scorecards after six, although not not substantially. I think 58, 56 is where Farhood had him, which is which is fair. Um, I, I just I just yeah. Listen, I I don't know what the championship potential is for him. I do want to say though, I thought at least after the third or fourth round, most of the garbage inside punching it came from Neary. What was what I saw was Neary would land a hard shot. And then they would kind of get closer together, and then they would begin exchanging. And once that exchanging was happening, it was Figueroa who was taking more, but he was then finding better openings, so he would land less, but he would land more authoritatively. Go back and watch Neri, dude. Again, he would start with a big crack. Okay, nice. And then he would just kind of follow up with a ton of nonsensical, just garbage punching that didn't do, do anything. When I say garbage, I don't mean to, to disparage him, although it sounds that way. I mean, like, Kirk Cousins would put up a lot of, like, great stats in garbage time when you can't really win i'm sort of pointing out it just wasn't like very that? fruitful it was it wasn't very effective like yeah you like that I, i'm just trying to say there I, he had a lot of action going on some of it was meaningful don't let that fool you into thinking he had the most meaningful inside body work even up until that left hand he took to the ribs i thought figueroa well, had more quality work I agree. I liked near. I had the same score as Farhood, so 58-56, four rounds to two. And I, although it was very close, and they could go either way, and one judge had it that same score in the direction of Figueroa, I thought Neri looked great early. I thought he was landing hard body shots. But Luke, I think you know when you take it, everything we saw and put it together, he gassed. And that was a big part of it. He couldn't keep up at this pace. He really couldn't. 100%. I think that's why he was boxing more and doing almost a defensive jab, running away. So this leads into our obvious brief transition here for all you MMA fans that are, you know, getting the hives over this. I'm loving it, though, is that uh, Neri's got some explaining to do, Luke, because uh, Figueroa moves on to a fight with Stephen Fulton Jr., and that's a sensational fight. I love that Showtime's already put it on the docket for September 11th, uh, and we know, you know, we connective tissues there. It's a great fight. Also, Akhmadaliev's on the other side of the division with two of the four belts. He's trained by Joel Diaz, though. 
I don't know how that's going to work if uh, Figueroa has to end up fighting him, which could be interesting to see there. But um, uh, which direction? Oh, I was going to Neri. But Neri's got, I don't know, Luke. I mean, the the narrative coming in from the Figueroa team was that Neri's not the same puncher at 122, and that explained his, you know, passive, almost technical win over Alameda in the last fight when he had Canelo's trainer, and then Neri didn't like the way that felt, so he went back to his original trainer, and he was going to come in and be the KO-looking badass again. He wasn't that guy, and he wasn't that guy for long if he showed any flashes of it early. Uh, I don't know if his power's carried up. It doesn't feel like it. I think he's got a lot of explaining to do now because he didn't really seem comfortable as a boxer. He didn't go nuts in brawl and try to, you know, get uh, Figueroa out of there. Uh, I don't. Is it more hype, Luke? Did we get? Did we watch that 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 run he did at 118 and just say this guy's the next unbeaten killer? He's amazing. Uh, he he don't look it anymore, Luke. He's 122 is not a good fit. I, I don't know how hard it is for him to get to 118 given some weight cut issues, but he's not. If you're not yourself in the weight class, there's a question you should ask yourself of whether you should be in that weight class. What brought you to the dance? Oh, you're a devastating puncher, but you're not at 122. You got to maybe find a way around 122. We'll have to see. Uh, okay, BC. Last, yeah, but, but you know, not- you know who he's going to find down there at 118 if he can figure out how to make it. Uh, Anuwe, the damn monster, and uh, I don't think he wants that smoke, Luke. Okay. Yeah, I'm not. Not many do. Okay, BC. Uh, last topic, but certainly not least. A lot coming up. UFC is on Saturday this weekend. Bellator is back. Cyborg versus Leslie Smith two is on Friday, but there's a whole other card behind it. All right, BC. Most intriguing fight coming up this weekend. Uh, very easy boxing espn junior welterweight unification undisputed champion will be crowned two unbeaten champions that are battle tested and proven in jose ramirez and uh the tartan tornado josh taylor taylor went through ruguru in that 12 round split decision classic that they had in the world boxing super series tournament in which taylor showed any questions you had about this kilt-wearing dude, uh, no, he's for real. And by the way, I chatted with him for Morning Combat. That interview will be up this week. Uh, this guy proved that he's for real in that fight. Yet, Luke, Jose Ramirez is that little engine that could, that, like, he just keeps, you know, doing great things in his community in Fresno and raising money for, you know, research and cancer and all this. And then he goes out, and he just outguts people. Um this is a 50-50 true showdown fight. We're going to get into the X's and O's later this week to preview it for Saturday. But, Luke, uh, it does not, you know, in all this talk, and I know even Showtime's in the Paul Brother business, and that's fine and great. Like Saturday's main event that I was, you know, happy to work in Neri Figueroa, which was such a great fight for hardcore fans, Taylor Ramirez this Saturday is one of those hardcore fan Super Bowls. So, Luke, I'm going to be, uh, you know, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be fired up for that. Uh, for me, I'll go two in Two different directions. For UFC, obviously the main event, Rob Font taking on Cody Garbrandt. Rob Font has always been looking to turn that corner against the top of that division. This is a big opportunity to do that. Cody Garbrandt is back after dealing with some of those long-haul COVID issues. I tend to think he's obviously over them now, but uh, we'll have to see what he's got. Also, BC, that co-main event, Carla Esparza taking on dot, 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 Jan Shaunan. That's Jan a big fight. If I'm pronouncing her name correctly, which I'm sure I'm not, Dude, I'm she's sure like I don't the even quietest. know how to pronounce it, but she's amazing. Yes, keep going. Yeah, that's a huge fight for women's strawweight. She might, if if Yan Shaunan wins, she might be your next title contender, no doubt about it. So, one to but pay attention don't, don't to. Don't forget this. Don't forget this. Even though I think Esparza's been a, she's a, she's really good, right? But she's been a little bit of smoke and mirrors. There's been split decision wins across the, you know, in a lot of places there. 
uh, I think if she wins this, which would be a huge win for her, she might just cut a line and get a title shot because of the history of having beat Rose for the inaugural title to begin with to start this division. So you know that both have a lot to fight for from that standpoint. This division's crowded with top-tier talent, yet they get to kind of make a big move to that front of the line. Um, I don't know. It's going to be a tough night for the Cookie Monster, Luke. If it if is. Shaunan is, is, is what she looks like, this could be a big moment for, uh, uh, you know, China's starting to put some names together here, Luke. 100%. On, on the Bellator side, Cyborg versus Smith, too. First fight was not especially competitive. I think this one will be a little bit more competitive, but I'm not... I don't have the highest hopes, per se. I will say, Darian Caldwell taking on Leandro Ego in the co-main event. Uh, Darian Caldwell desperately seeking to get back in the winning circle and uh, reassert his name in that division um, at 135. This is going to be a great opportunity for him. And Fabian Edwards taking on Austin, the undefeated BC. Austin Vanderford on that card should be fun as well. Yeah, and, and Vanderford could seriously find himself in a title shot uh, with a win here. Seriously, he's like 10-0. and 0. I mean, he's climbing those yeah. rankings quick. Luke, you know who's super excited about that Higo fight? By the way, Higo's a very good fighter. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Eric Albarracin. Luke, we didn't mention in that, in that Rumble comeback and big win, he sent our boy to... <laughs> to the to the to the false subfloor below the wood and dirt in hell, Luke. Uh, after that fight, remember that that rant he went on. No, what what rant was this? In the cage afterwards during the post fight interview, Rumble was just like swearing like crazy, calling that that uh, that fancy neon glass wearing guy, whatever. Oh called yes, it, yes, that, yes, yes, yes. That yes, wrestling yes, coach. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he he buried him. But by the way, um. Our doc cameras, I don't know if this third doc's ever coming out. I hope someone's working on it. Uh, they picked up uh, footage of Al Barasin explaining to me this mask that he goes going to wear uh, uh, down to the cage. So, Luke, it might be up your nerd comic book movie alley. Did, was Eric wearing white glasses that yes. had no lens? Yes, he had a fur coat and uh, right. he had bedazzled jeans, Luke. Uh, they, they were, uh, it was, it was, it's, uh... Luke, what? He's a different one. How do you describe that man? How do you, I mean, like, like, He's he's pretty smart. I, I you know obviously you get the feeling like he's like the the engine behind like Cejudo <clears throat> turning himself into a a thing on social media and really building his name. Do you think this guy's smarter than we realize, or or no? We know exactly how smart he is, and he dresses ridiculous. Which one is it? Um, I would say. See, someone asked me on the live chat, BC, like, oh, are there other folks like Joshua Fabi out there in MMA that? No one really knows about this. It's just a famous example. And I was trying to tell folks, it's like, dude, when you say that, what do you mean? Like, Because this is the point. Fabia says and does all manner of weird shit, but he can't really back it up with results in the cage. Albaracin can back up all of his results in the cage. So, like, is he less weird? He's weird well, in a Fabia different way. He, Luke, Fabia thinks he's like a shaman. I don't think he actually thinks he's a coach. And he might, he might be a he might be a shaman for all I know, but like he wants to come out and burn some incense and, and set a mood and stuff. Um so yeah, I know it's not it's not really comparable up to this point. Luke, would would you be down for like a uh, WWE type heel turn here for Fabia where he he somehow gets a big clientele of like top fighters and he becomes like Dana's biggest villain? Would you be into that storyline? No. Don't care about that. <laughs> that's, that's great. All right. All right. All right. Let's get to the part where uh, we don't ask each other questions. You guys get to ask us questions. It's time for DMs from Donks. Let's do it. All right. First up, BC. From yeah. at the infamous 05, 
Do you think an unbiased hardcore MMA fan, there's no such thing as, I mean, a hardcore <laughs> MMA fan is heavily biased, could judge fights at a higher level than the typical judge selected by athletic commissions? Absolutely not. N- no chance. No, but but they still have a long way to go at having a higher level of consistency. And now, you know, coming from a boxing guy, I'm you know, who am I? You know, right? No, boxing's got a shit ton of judging issues from incompetency to probably, you know, the opposite, straight up worse situations. But uh, we're still not there, Luke. There's still not a, a strong group like nationally of like <laughs> solid guys. I, 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 I love this dude. No one in MMA. M- MMA is so funny because... They don't respect anyone's expertise on anything. You mean to tell me an untrained asswipe can do better than someone with actual training? On what fucking planet are you living on? Like, the argument is not, BC, that judging couldn't be better or that you got some old bastards in there who who just have no business being there. 100%. But on average, could an untrained fan do better than a trained judge? You're delusional well, if you think Luke, you could do that. Well, don't take that too far because you hate people, including all Americans and all white Americans, apparently. <laughs> um, don't take that too far. Uh, th- there's a no, lot of mouth, that as you would say, mouth breathing. You know, I mean, look, there's a reason why, you know, Affliction, you know, had a great run as a t-shirt company. I mean, look, you know, like the, there's a market out there, but there's a lot of really educated fans, Luke, that yes, they would be better judges than some of these, whether they're no, ex-boxing no, they guys. No, no, they wouldn't. Who Absolutely don't know the no, nuances of the sport or they're just not ready for prime time and the pressure, you know, stops them from understanding what they're doing. Yes, you're Luke. Hold a second, hold a second. Let, let me, let me, let me, yes, let me Luke, distill this. I'm saying let, it. Let, let me distill this argument. Could a hardcore MMA fan with requisite training, be better than some existing judges. No, yes. I don't look. Yes, no, no, because the system is still pretty simple. I'm not saying the scoring criteria is simple, but the the system is watch two guys fight for few for five minutes and write down who you think won. No, uh, yes, it's a lot more. It's a de- that's so, that's so demeaning of actually how hard it is. That's not. Right, the, that's I'm, not. I'm, how I'm it obviously goes. giving it to you as generically simple. So even if somebody didn't have the 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 nuances you want from them, there are some judges who just come up with scores, Luke. That are just not like you know. You see when you see thirty twenty seven in the exact opposite direction that you're like you do not understand what you're watching. I think even these same knuckleheads. But that's not the art. The argument is not is that a good card or a no, good score. That's, but you're not the argument. The argument. The argument is not is that a good judge. The argument is can you pull a fan who's really that's into true. this from the stands, plug him into that spot, and on average get better results. No, you cannot. Com- no, compared to those bottom dwelling judges, yes, because. Because they could just rely on the simplest form of how to judge around, which isn't always right because you're not taking into account criteria. Yet, for the most part, even a simple fan would be able to tell better than some of these ridiculous judges. Yes, Luke. So, you know, you are no, wrong no, at the no, end no, of the no, day. No, 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 they wouldn't. On, you, uh, listen, would you get a example? Uh, could you find a situation where a fan is better than a judge? Of course. Luke, you're, on you're ba- just... Let me be, be see. On balance, is it true an untrained fan who has never gone through a a scoring criteria class and formal training? It's more than a class, by the way. It takes forever. Are they better uh, than a person who has done all that training and has experience at a high level? No. (laughs) Could they be better? Of course. Of course. Look, you know what you are to MMA? You're a closet Nickelback fan. You're like, you know what, man? 
this band's actually pretty freaking good, but you I can't see, publicly this say is, it. This is a common their tactic reputation, that you have. Their fan base, their everything. Just so you love the science of the sport, but you're just unwilling to accept with that science. You get Dana White. You get some Capital Stormers. BC you get in some no part of your life jeans. except Task Rabbit. Do you ask untrained people to do things for you? Versus train people, it I doesn't think this is work. More about that way. you than the question, Luke. At the end, of I know the day. because That's why when I'm you can't win an argument, BC. You like to make it personal, but I got news for you: the argument is not that judging could not be significantly better, or that you couldn't get hardcore fans, give them some training, and get vastly improved results. Of course, I know, you could. On average, Luke. On average, I get it. But but mean that right, you can but. randomly pull fans from attendance and they can do better in that particular seat than a judge is lunacy. No, they could not. It, no, you know, it, not. it's a dilemma, Luke. Just like Nelly and Kelly, right? <laughs> okay. At Talal underscore AA seven six seven BC. Do you think if Tony? Oh, we got to this kind of earlier, but do you think if Tony had fought Habib last year instead of Justin? We would have seen the same decline. So In other words, absent the beating. Well, specific to the to the uh, part of it saying last year in there, last year in there, I think it was Habib figuring out that he that he that he's freaking amazing, and I think he would have handled Tony in the same manner in which he beat Gaethje and Poirier, which was wide and dominant, and and just cast that shadow. The argument for me, as we talked earlier, was more of. When they were at different times, maybe 2017, still give me Tony. I think that's right. I think that's right. I think if it had ha- when were they supposed to fight? April of 2020? Because the whole thing with the COVID shutdown and shit was it was April, yeah. right? In Brooklyn, something like that. Yeah, um, same spot as is the uh, the bus incident and all that. that yeah, exactly. Crazy. I think if I think if that fight had taken place, um. Well the, well, the question is not whether Tony would have won or lost. The question is, let's say Habib even wins. The question is, does Tony come out of that loss in more or less the same state That's that he came out point. of the Gaethje loss? Would we have focused exclusively on, like, we don't hold it against, well, some people do. I see the comments on Twitter. But I don't hold it against Poirier or Gaethje for how one-sided their losses to Habib was, right? You're like, no, dude, not only is that freaking Habib, but don't forget he was one kick away from peril. Like that's it's in play, it's part of the deal. But like, but you know, that's Habib, dude. That would have clouded our our way of looking. Yeah, we probably wouldn't have realized where Tony was until he fought the next guy and then, you know, had a performance like he had against Oliveira, right? Then we've been like, oh holy shit. I I think that's right. I think that's right. All right. Um from at Telvin Kai Papa. Yeah, you, you refuse More to disturbing, understand. BC. You refuse to just understand that this guy's a part of our universe. We like him. We know how to pronounce his name. You're just like, you know. I don't know who this I literally don't know who this is. Telvin Kipapa? I don't know. Uh, okay. at more disturbing, BC. Two girls, one cup, which you've never seen because you're a coward. Or blonde fighter Twitter likes, which you probably have seen extensively. Yes, yes. <laughs> By the way, that I did check her likes. It was alarming how uh, non-discreet those those. Uh, I know. Yeah. Uh, just for full full disclosure, uh, Caitlin did speak at the press conference afterwards, and she yeah, she got hacked. All what, what did she say? She, I didn't hear. Oh, she said she got hacked, and she said she gets hacked uh. a lot. They've just never done this before. But uh, she realized she was hacked 
during training camp and just doesn't care, like didn't care enough, was so focused on training, isn't a big social media person. She didn't realize that all those likes were collecting and all those follows were collecting and it all just exploded when it was time for her to be back in the spotlight. So it's actually pretty funny. She handled it well. So, uh, but no, more disturbing. I mean, come on. Like, you know, it's a ah, funny joke. You know, we had a little thing and then they actually made it somehow. They thought it was appropriate on Morning Combat Social to make a Twitter clip or uh, Instagram clip about that debate as well. Uh, but Luke, it's a, it, I wasn't acting. You're, that's a full on outright betrayal of human decency. Like, and I've seen, it's not like I haven't been like, you ever see the one with the lady and the horse that has like Aaron Pico's size? Uh, you know, I mean, like we've all seen some foul stuff accidentally, like someone's playing a joke. Oh, Hey, watch this. But Luke, what you were setting me up for was, I mean, really, it's just, it was betrayal. You're, you're, really you're was, going I mean, to do it. I'm not even you're fooling around here. You're going to do it. You're no, no, and I'm not it. doing this to try to build up it when it happens. It's not... Look, I always said this, okay? Because, you know, growing up, people be like, hey, man, how much money would you take to get knocked out by Mike Tyson? Or would you eat this pile of poop? And, you know, every, someone would go, yeah, dude, you know, $2 million? I'll eat it right now and not have regrets. Look, I'm not one of those people. That's what it is at the end of the day. Yeah, like, I have, you're a, ca- you know you're a coward who loves to malign the lack of commitment of others, but when it comes to you, you don't simply have it in commit. you. I, Luke, I'd even do the challenge again. Here? Are we putting the words commit commitment close to sitting down and watching this video? There's no commitment. You're committing to the dark side, Luke. That's what you're doing. You're, you're committing to cowardice. You are no better than Dana White at the edge of that cliff, unwilling to I mean, jump Luke, off into you beautiful say that's waters. The, I've only read about it, but would you say that's the most foul video ever? It's up there. <laughs> it's, like it's it's, it's like Citizen Kane of of just full on just yeah. <laughs> it, it, I mean, so you get really my point bad. here, okay? It's like listen, it's like, you that's know, Luke, the, but the but the point is it the the bit only works because it's bad. You can't. I know, run but away this is like that. this is like you know you could be like, hey BC, you know, I got some friends coming. You want to party? And I'd be like, yeah. What do you got, dude? And you're like heroin. I'm like, well, dude, I'm I'm really not committed to that level of like, you know, uh, like you know, I, I have like, uh, there's levels to this, right, Luke? I'm dude, not, your comparisons I'm not, you know. are getting knocked out by Mike Tyson, doing heroin, or eating feces. When all yeah, you have I mean, to do like, is you know, watch someone eat feces. Not worth it, Luke. No, I, I try to protect this soul. Okay, there's enough out there. All right, thank you. All right, I've, from at St. John's underscore Canada, I'm guessing. BC, great job in the ring. Future Max Kellerman, more like future Stephen A. Smith. Okay, which was your favorite fight out of those crazy battles? And did the booing throw you off any back to ringside, LOL? I yeah, guess. the the booing did. So the first the first time I appeared on camera was after the first televised bout on the triple header, and that was uh, Xavier, Xavier Martinez, uh, Floyd Mayweather's unbeaten young uh, pro- prospect there. Well, look at that guy, Luke. Wow. Wow. God, uh, he went in there against... Hella washed. Let me see your oh, dong picture here. Where are they pulling these pics right here? You got, you might see the bulbs, but I mean, that was, those are, them pants were tight. Um, but Luke, what I'm trying to say is uh, Juan Carlos Burgos, the late replacement for a title challenger, made this a war. It was great. Martinez won. He grew from it. And the crowd booed the shit out of him. He didn't deserve uh-huh. it, but because of the sco- the scores were wider than they thought. And yeah, that was, that was hard to do. Uh, look, this is the first time... You know, in a while, we've been in front of fans, you know, journalists as well. And then to have aggressive, real Southern California fans uh, come at the, you know, with the booze there. And then to have the interview piped to the, uh, you know, to the stadium. uh, Yeah, in in that moment, it was like, oh, shit. So uh, it was was fun. That fight was great. I think the the first fight was probably the fight of the night. But Luke, did you see Danny Roman's performance in the co-main? Against a very aggressive Espinosa? Don't don't bury the lead here. What did you think of Cool Boy Steph's gotcha hat moment? 
<laughs> we may be seeing that later in the show. Uh, uh, it was uh, it was corn it was cornball as shit, but I think it was expected to be, and I did pop in the moment. Like you know, he, yeah. he, he it was well timed. It's not a great bit, but it was well timed and performed, Luke. Okay. All right, from at DJ High underscore C. What are y'all's top five favorite subreddits? I don't know if I have five. Do you have a five top favorite subreddits? Well, first of all, how about the Morning Combat subreddit, huh? That oh, one's hey. starting to fill up a little bit. Oh, you're checking. You're, re- you're reading your fan mail. You're reading the uh, reviews. Is this what's happening, Luke? No, no, no. I, but I've, I, check it, uh, I check it once a week. Once a week. You head on down to the alley behind Chang's and, and check in on them, Luke? Why are you being weird? You don't have to be weird. You're making a choice about this. You don't have to make this choice. <laughs> you don't have to watch the video if you don't want to at the end of the day, BC. Uh, so, yeah, there it is. Uh, no, I don't, I don't really play around much on, on Reddit, Luke. No, seriously. I, you know, I come across people send me links, but I don't, I don't tend to head to Reddit. Uh, I'll say, I do once I've, in a while check, check what they say about us, just, you know, curiosity. But you can't read that stuff too closely, good or bad, Luke. You know that. Yeah, John it gets Wooden a, it'll, said it, It'll right? go your head. Yeah. You know what John Wooden said about Reddit's, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll say, um, obviously, the morning combat. Shouts, to, but but shouts to all the folks at the morning combat su- uh, subreddit. Uh, one of my favorites is advice animals. This is where they use memes of animals to like uh, talk about like good ideas or like you know pro tip kind of a thing. It's really funny. Um, I follow the science one. I follow world football. I follow Real Madrid. That's about it. That's about it. Okay. Oh, Luke, I don't know if this is going to end up in dead wrong on Friday, but people are really upset at your Dallas Cowboys take in comparison to whatever soccer team you like. Now, I couldn't care less whether what soccer team you like, but people are claiming you basically bandwagon jumped onto like the Yankees of whatever team soccer that you watch and mm-hmm. that you have a lot of temerity to to plant the omerta bomb that you did at the Cowboys fans when you're basically yeah. a Cowboys fan. Let, let me explain something soccer. to you. I don't have so, to Luke, explain my Madrid. I don't have to. Uh, let me say, I'll, I'll answer it. I don't have to explain my Madrid fandom to anybody. Second of all, every Cowboys fan oh, can, uh, you know, chuparme mis pelotas. How about that? Hmm? I don't give a Whoa. fuck what y'all think. And you can say wow. what you want. You're a Cowboys fan. You're a human turd. That's what you are. Okay. Wow, Luke, you're protecting the origin of your fandom of that team on like a religion and politics level. You're like, sorry, right, we don't talk right. about abortion on more. Luke, combat. defend sorry. your defend your like of something. Here's my answer: No, no, eat shit. You know what that is, though. That's that's as the kids would say, sus, Luke. There's there's holes in your story and yes. your makeup. Do you there, think so. I give a fuck if they're on fleek or it. turned up? I don't give a shit what kids think. You got the turtle they're defense not very smart. up, Luke. They're not very smart, so I don't really care what they think. If you, oh, Luke, I don't like that you're a fan of Real Madrid. I don't care. Luke, what if one day people let you know that this show is very Truman Show-centric in terms of being a psychological experiment of, of your makeup, Luke? And I love experimenting on you. Are, are you under the impression that this is not a revelatory experience about the deep layers of wounding and <laughs> psychological... Well, who's your least uh, favorite... Who's your least favorite cowboy player that represents what you hate about cowboy fandom? Oh, that's a great question. Um, Would it be Irvin? He's so no, he's loud cool. and annoying. You can't hate yeah. him. He's pretty cool, Luke. Yeah. He's he's a great broadcaster, but he's really loud and annoying. Um, I liked it when Emmett Smith flamed out as a broadcaster too. That was fucking great to watch. Um, God, who I is mean, my that, all that's time? A little, that's a, that's a passionate take right there, Luke. That was, uh, wow. All right. 
Yeah. Now, I'd have to think about that a little bit because there's been so many reprobates, but... Manich is saying Jason Witten should be your uh, your pick there. Yeah, God, he's been... But the, the problem is, yes, but Jason Witten, like, to his credit, has been kicking the... Well, uh, you know, historically, the Redskins' ass for the entirety of his fucking run. So it was like... It was really annoying how effective he was. And I, honestly, he wasn't, like, a bad person off the field. But, like, folks don't realize this. Like, they have a full-time fixer on staff at that, that uh, organization. God, there's some bad ones. Um I mean, you can't like Troy Aikman. You can't like him if you're, you know, no. Oh. Yeah, but LeVar Arrington took care of that, you know? So what, I don't have to yeah. worry too much about that. What did he do? Uh, all right, what I'll figure something out. BC, your turn on the show, good sir. Take it away. All right, so what I do every weekend, guys, is I, I, I scour the globe uh, for the good, the bad, the ugly, and the in-between in the worlds of combat sports uh, and beyond. And then we show them to you every Monday. It's called, Have You Seen This Shit? Yes, UFC 262 in Houston. Luke, we referenced it earlier, the Charles Oliveira celebration. Can we show a few seconds of it? There's no fight footage in this. Can we show that now? Can we go there? This was something special, Luke. I mean, did you think he was going to tongue Joe Rogan, Luke? What is going on right here? I did not know what. I mean, yeah, it's a little bit in his face. I think he bled on Dana. Like he was, I mean, this was wild. Uh, You know what? God bless him. You just yeah, you got to be happy for him, and that was so. Whatever he said must have been really important, you know. Yeah, yeah, and then then he does the victory lap. I mean, this is up there. This is up there with uh, Connor jumping the fence and getting in Jose's face, right? It's up there. I think they had mentioned it previously, like when Aldo jumped out of the cage the first time he beat Mendez. Yeah, you know, and then yes. ran to the cage and was like held up like a town hero. It's not quite like that, but it's it's cool. It's a, yeah, that's a great reference. Wow, good good one. All right, let's keep it going. We talked about the KJ, KGB Lee big win over Antonina. Luke, uh, are these judo throws here? This was a great sequence for uh, Andrea Lee. Yeah, I don't know which one that is, but like throwing from like an overhook like that, it's not quite a Sayanagi. I'm not sure which one it is. There's, they've got all these different names, but for sure that is. And she gets a second one here as well. I mean, this was like that's just a throw. Ragged. That's just a throw off the wizard. Ragdoll, better in a movie. Uh, all right, let's go to. Uh, there were great, great fights up and down this card, but also big fight in the crowd. Check this out, Houston. Get after it. Where's your mask, bro? Bro, look at the guy on the. Le- you can't see him now, but when the video first starts out on the left of the screen, just cheering. You can't see him when it starts over. You'll see it. Oh, it's oh, just- he put he put hands on an officer right there, Luke. That's yeah. But now bet. he's getting now he's getting. Look at the guy on the left, just cheering like he's on a city a city of hall in nineteen ninety two. Look, he looked like in the movie Titanic in the opening scene when people are going nuts that the ship's just taking off. I mean, he's just loving it. Yes. All Dude, right. and Cormier gets distracted by every crowd fight every time. Have you noticed that? Cormier also, loves he, crowd fights. He's, look, I, I've been a broadcaster. I don't know if you know this about me, Luke. So I, I you know, I got a lot of like Cokes or, you know, red. I mean, you, you got stuff there to jazz yourself up uh, caffeination wise, but DC just eating stuff all night. He's always referencing it. It's a great bit. Only it's not. Uh, Luke, let's keep it going. That wasn't the best crowd fight though of the week. You know this Padres highlight. I'm going to show you. Everyone sending it to me. This Bro. was a much requested one, Luke. Oh wow, mm. that is a one punch KO. If I have ever there's seen. There's a what? there's another angle of this from the profile from the side. And yeah, you watch, I, oh, look at this. Watch? I mean, he just walks. He literally almost runs into the punch. And then he gets I don't mean jumped. The, I, don't, I, don't mean, I don't mean the guy getting hit, BC. I mean, the guy literally is running into 
his punch. Yeah, there's actually a whole blog about how why the fight started. One of the witnesses called or like a radio. I didn't get into it that deep. You know, I, I have my limits here of what I'm willing to handle. But uh, but yeah, great great punch. Uh, feel bad for that. I, you know, it's probably over some insult, Luke. Like uh, you know, Trump in 24. You know, and the pro- that's probably what started it, Luke. Probably. Both, Lots of I think both guys, Glad the fans are back. Yeah, it's, it's tough to see those two as enemies, though, since they teamed up for the Capitol storming that time, Luke. Uh, DAZN Boxing in Manchester, England. Hey, uh, big win for uh, oh. light heavyweight. You need to know this name. Josh Buazzi. He's a rising light heavyweight from Eddie Hearn's team there in the UK. Luke, he had a main event here. He's now got Virgil Hunter as his trainer, Andre Ward's guy. So he's been training in the U.S. This was a... Uh, destruction of Daniel Blenda Dos Santos in the DAZN main event. Uh, he was fine, but Luke, did you see that shot? Good God. Man, I watched this on social media over the weekend. I'd not heard of him either. That he punched was a twice, hell of Luke. a shot. Did you, see that? did you see that second punch as he was dropping? Yeah, that's the old... That was the, Who did that? Uh, Dave Tua on John Ruiz, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Caught him I on mean, the way down. Ray Mercer against Tommy Morrison when he got hung up in the ropes there. That was that was some yeah. that was some bad shit. Wow. Okay. Let's keep it going. Hey, Luke, what do you think of this video? Former UFC fighter Pearl Gonzalez is preparing for her BKFC debut with uh, the Serrano sisters there, yet she's using this uh, this wall structure as uh, a way it to... It looks like a locker. It's metal. Yeah. Is this a good strategy to like harden your knuckles? Probably not. All right, I was uh, I was that was a little bit that was something that was something, Luke. Uh, all right, hey, let's uh, go to uh, the gotcha hat. The 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 if if you people didn't understand what we were referencing earlier, here's what took place after Brandon Figueroa's win on Saturday uh, inside the ring with myself and Stephen Fulton Jr. Cool boy, Steph. Your thoughts on Brandon's performance? Hell of a performance. I'm, I'm tall. I'm tall. Hell of a performance. Uh, I predicted it, like no, I said. Uh, Neri's 118-pounder. You need to stay back down there. It's my time now. I've been waiting for this moment. Did Brandon surprise you at all with his ability to finish such a devastating puncher in Neri? Uh, it didn't surprise me at all. You know, I, I knew he would fight the way he fought. Uh, as you can see, he get hits a lot. I'm just ready for my time. Do you have a message for the new champion heading into September 11th? I do. Got your hat. <laughs> no, uh, we're going to put on a hell of a performance. And once again, congratulations to the, the WBC and WBA champ. I'm coming. I got the WBL, baby. Can't wait for September 11th. Congratulations, yeah, Brandon it. Figueroa. You'll be taking on Stephen oh, Fulton Jr. <laughs> Kill the video, Luke. I, that was Ill, ill-timed with the can't wait for September 11th comment. Wow. Um, apologies for that. But Luke, Great, jo- great um, job, BC. I can't yeah. wait for the anniversary of the death of 3,000 Americans. <laughs> no, no, not cool. Uh, but look, you you and I actually you know, have talked to Stephen Fulton Jr. and we're you know, fans of him rising. He's a great fighter, Luke, but a lot of people thought this was Adrian Bronery-ish. Do you think that was a good look overall? No, because he was trying to have fun. I mean, the I'm tall thing was Broner-ish. All right, but the got your hat thing, it was corny, but he was trying to have fun. Yeah. Broner is usually trying to be insulting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Broner's usually trying to like stab someone in the eye with a toothpick, metaphorically speaking. 
So, no, oh, I didn't point. get quite Broner vibes from this. These two were gentlemen on Saturday, uh, but yeah. still, their fight is going to be a unification. Two unbeaten guys in September. Uh, it's going to be fantastic, but uh, let's keep the train moving here. Uh, Luke, there was a weird uh, one championship celebration dance here. You know tip to tip. Are you down with navel to navel? We have it to do this a, next time we see each other. That is uh, Sean Clancy is one of the two. I couldn't get a name on the second guy, but uh, that's uh, that's something, Luke. You into that? We have to do this together, you and I. That's a lot of close contact, Luke. I don't know if we're that if, the, if we're that good of friends, you know. I think we need to. It's this or two girls, one cup. Take your pick. <laughs> oh, that's that's not fair. That's not good. All right. Uh, hey, T-shirt of the week, Luke. We went to Wrigley Field to get this one. I bet you are, honey. <laughs> I bet I, you are. Look, I, I I need to know the story. Like, I, I can't do anything else. I need to know the story of, like, where do you even get a shirt like that? Like, if you're in on the joke, which obviously you are, lady, how in on the joke are you? Because this, uh, this is something else, Luke. B- BC, can I tell you what my daughter did yesterday? And I had to, I had to, I corrected her. Great, I didn't great let it, I didn't let it go. <laughs> very, very smooth transition, Dad. Hold, hold on, it, it, it's, not, it's not about my daughter per se. Well, it sort of is, but you see this lady here. I'm here for the gangbang. You, as you know, she has a father somewhere. I'm sure who is distraught about this. But neither here nor there. My wife was watching 90 Day Fiance yesterday, and there's well, a woman there. Quality television, I'm sure. Just yes, great very, television. very high level uh, thinking going on there. But you have to understand, like, there's a woman on that show who weighs probably, you know, you know, she's probably three, maybe four bills. I mean, she's giant, okay? And my oh, my daughter oh, is constantly... Oh, what? Was she a great big fat person? Yes. And my daughter is learning new words every day, and I swear to God, this actually happened. That big lady came on the screen, and I corrected my daughter, but my daughter looked at her and goes, this is true. She goes, Cow. Cow. Oh, no, look, that's not a cute story. It's actually, uh, you know, it's like, it's like, oh, that teenager made racist comment. It caught me off guard. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> look, it's leadership starts at the top. Okay, that's all. I, I, I'm listen, I, I said no, 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 no. That's not a cow. And then I showed her what a real cow looks like. Um, I didn't let it go, but I did. Did I chuckle a little internally? Yeah, I'd be lying if I said I did. That is pretty funny, but uh, I learned it by watching you. Let's keep it going. Hey, Luke, MMA Twitter is going sick right now. I didn't, you know, I didn't add this in. They they demanded it. Do you know what Brian Ortega is doing in his free time right now, Luke? Uh, Alex Cortez, apparently. Yeah, good for him. Good for him, bro. Uh, not only did this picture come out. But then the, this this uh, IG live video went out uh, from Alex Cortez. So, uh, Luke, it's not my business, but this got the interwebs jumping. Um, your thoughts on his growing resume, Luke? Hey, man, he's going to have some gems on there, you know. Can't be mad at it. Let, let the man live, I say. Let him live. All right. All right. God Luke, bless him. Let's, let's... That's well said. Uh, Brian Ortega's having a great week. I don't think anyone had a better week than this Asian fellow here, Luke. Uh, this is incredible stuff. Isn't that tape played backwards? Probably. Probably. I mean, because if it's not, it's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Obviously, yeah, a big man can move here, but... It's probably physically impossible, yet the, this is pretty impossible as it is, Luke. Yeah, he's obviously athletic as shit. He's awesome. 
I love. I mean, this this is just joy coming out of the screen here. This guy. Oh wow! I didn't. Wow, spread eagle at the end there, Luke. That was wild. Okay. Maybe maybe it's not played backwards. I don't know. I don't know. It's amazing. Whatever it is. Hey, you're a very strict judge of people's choices in life. Let's go to some questionable combat clothing alert, Luke. Here's number one. Teofimo Lopez Jr. preparing for his trailer main event wearing lifting gloves. Luke, your thoughts? Yeah, it's heartbreaking. But he might have a reason for hand protection that the 99.9% of men don't need. So, you know, obviously Teo gets a pass, but disappointing nonetheless. Okay, all right. Uh, let's go to 41-year-old Glover Teixeira, who's also preparing for his title fight, Luke, while wearing Crocs. Bro, fuck anyone who wants this man to change a single thing about himself. <laughs> I want every guy who fights showing up, no wrapping on the hand, just hitting fucking wood and steel posts, and they're doing it with Crocs, and they haven't showered yet for the day. Fuck all y'all. The other questionable combat clothing was uh, Tyson Fury posting this video that went that went hot, wild, viral of him wearing uh, Nick, Nick Diaz. Uh, Luke, this is an uh, okay. So this is a very interesting pairing of personalities. That I never would have guessed would you know have a day where they train with each other. But if yep. as this video keeps going, Luke, they like they were rolling, like they were really really training, Luke. Dude, good for I, listen. You're showing me a lot of really happy things. I'm wondering where the people are who fall off boats and jump off roofs and get hit by animals because these are all nice, heartfelt things. Yeah, but isn't this the the the, the jujutes between these two a little a little weird? It's just a little like awkward to watch. I didn't you know? see the jujutes. I saw this one and the previous one. I think it's coming up, Luke. I think it's coming up, but uh, I know that these aren't perfectly timed between when we see them and then when the people see us that's you know it's just technology i guess oh jesus does someone have the pro police flag built into the spartan mask back there it's not wrong to support the blue luke i don't know where you're going with this yeah i'm not necessarily saying it's not i'm just saying that's interesting imagery yeah yeah okay uh, I guess it got it was weirder the first time i watched it apparently but uh, no i think they keep going i think there's like Oh, I see. Oh, yeah. Fury was about to put him in like a pile driver. That was a little interesting. Hey, Luke, you like gross videos that turn out to be pranks. Did you see this one? This one's wild. Just gave away the ending there. That's no problem. But So, Luke, we have a blindfolded girl who's putting her hand through a busted open watermelon that's filled with chocolate. And hair, apparently, and other stuff. And then they lead her on to believe, though, Luke, that it wasn't the watermelon in the end that she put her arm through. <laughs> um, I mean, that's, that's, that's going pretty far with, with, with the prank, right? I mean, that's, that's I'll say this. The, the, pay, the payoff is not as much as I would like it to be, but it's pretty good. The sound off. is wild. She swears like crazy. The sound's a lot better. I should have played that, but it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, and her look of horror is interesting as well. Hey, open field tackle of the week, Luke. Let's go to the skateboard bowl. <laughs> oh God! Look like look like Steve Atwater and Christian Okoye, Luke. That was wild. Wow. That Jesus Christ. She got leveled. Yeah. Uh, Luke, we got a lot of good news this week. Yeah, I know you like people getting injured, but let's see the uh, the bowler of the week. I don't. What do you call this, Luke? A seven, eight, ten split? This is insane. Oh, 
Oh, little man did it. Worst, Are you much you know, of a bowler? Worst, I don't think he's a good bowler. I think he's just lucky as balls, but that's a hell of a pull-off there. What's what your highest you, score in bowling? That's what I was going to say. My, I, don't, I don't even know my highest score. I'm so shitty, but I do like to play. Are you as equally shitty where we should face off maybe on camera for, for some you know, impossible victory and, and maybe... Yeah, I'm not good at all. I would love to be also not good and we could see who's the least shitty among us. That'd be fun. Yeah, I, that would be fun. Yeah, all right. All right, let's keep this thing going here. Uh, Luke, I saw that you liked this one on Twitter. Uh, this is actually my least favorite thing about basketball when this happens. The only time I'll come up ready to throw, Luke. <laughs> I, this guy got shoved to the ground and you know he was not going to... I mean... Yeah, he's like, oh, it's all good. It's all good. I don't yeah, want to fight cool, you guys. It's cool. You just, you just tossed me across the parking lot. Oh, that's it's cool, cool. fellas. It's cool. Yeah. You know what? I ain't got no hands, so I ain't got no fight. There you go. But you know, when people push you on a breakaway, that's that's It's, that's the, it's just the lowest, shittiest thing. It really is. Uh, hey, Luke, we love everyone who works on our team, from Gaff to Manich and Sally and, and, and Al Wendling and all them. Um, our, our lovely and entrusted producer from CBS Sports, Mikey Mormile, turned 30 over the weekend. And I don't know if you've been following him on IG, Luke, but here's how he celebrated his 30th birthday. Look, <laughs> him and his friends would later storm the Capitol. Luke, there's a lot of we built this city vibes to that, isn't there, Luke? There's a lot of we built the city vibes. I want you to show these heterosexuals again. Uh, this must have been a great 30th birthday without a girl in sight. Show, show that picture one more time. Yeah, put it up there. You don't have to play the audio. Just Just put it on screen. Look at this gathering of the juggalos. I mean, you got to be oh, shitting that's, me. Oh, that's harsh. That is harsh right there. Wow. Wow. Look at the guy in the back. Look at the hype man <laughs> in the back. He's like, fuck yeah, dude. Sweet home, Alabama. Just say it 15 times. Oh, smooth. We built this city. Yes. Shout out it was to better Mike. than my 30th birthday where I was uh, dumped on my 30th birthday. Oh, not, not no, quite, see, wait, you serious? That needs to be a separate podcast. Are you serious? On your yeah, 30th I'll, birthday. I'll, I'll tell it to you next time. Did she know it was your 30th birthday? Clearly. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. oh wow. Wow. No, that explains a lot. Damn, Luke, I feel bad. Damn. I'm, yeah, I'm I, dude, I drank bad. the last decade away. It really, a lot of pain. A lot of pain. Yeah. Wow, you know, you coming, me coming into your life, Luke. What, what a turning point for you! Wow. Yeah, wow. more pain, a lot more pain. <laughs> <laughs> That's all the shit I got. Okay, thanks. Uh, good stuff. Uh, odds and ends, BC. We didn't really go over too many details with this, but we can share one, which is that how about shout-outs to Arjun Singh Buller, who is now your one heavyweight champion defeating brandon vera i think in the second round if i'm not mistaken similar to how uh chandler almost finished uh olivera it was sort of like that both facing the mat kind of pounding on him from the side big win that guy didn't have necessarily the best run out in ufc but he we knew he was a good athlete obviously he had wrestled at a high level 
And Brandon Vera, I'm not sure exactly where he is in his career. Obviously, closer to the end than the beginning and, and by a wide margin. But oh, yeah. still oh, yeah. pretty decent as a talent. But uh, Buller got it done. Yeah, that was a big win. I, you know, I, I'm more of a Risen fan. I didn't necessarily watch this live. I caught uh, the interview afterwards, though, Luke. And while I certainly liked a lot of the Twitter reaction of, you know, a, a fighter of Indian descent winning a heavyweight championship with a major promotion, um, did you like the interview, though? And this is the only thing I've actually seen of it, where Bular said, uh, I've reached the pinnacle of my sport. So now I'm going to go after a new one in pro wrestling. Hey, AEW and WWE, like, I'm coming. Were you, were you down with that? I mean, I don't care. You know, I don't care about that stuff. He reached the pinnacle of his sport, Luke. Good. Yeah, he did really well. But I don't know about, I mean, like pro wrestling, like, you know, I'd rather watch Two Girls, One Cup than pro wrestling. So there you go. (laughs) I'd rather watch unspeakably foul acts involving human feces. But, you know, it's fine, yeah. I mean, think about the actual, like, equation of that statement. That's wild. That is, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, it's also true. Uh, That's it, BC. No, I got it for us this week. I've got an odd and end, Luke. I sent it. You got a what? I've got an odd and an end. I sent it to our producers. Uh, Oh, let's hear it. People might be surprised that we didn't lead off the show with this as breaking news that Tyson Fury tweeted out yesterday a video message basically saying, and this is, you know, really the first time from Fury's side of it, the fight with Joshua is on. Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, first chance to have an undisputed four-belt champion August 14th in Saudi Arabia. Now, we'd seen Joshua and Hernside confirm it over and over and over again, and then, you know, Aram and, and Fury's side debate it. This is the first time they're saying yes, and it came after Fury had a meeting with uh, some prince in Saudi Arabia that basically confirmed that they have the money for this record-breaking $150 million site fee that they're going to pay uh, to have this fight there. Um, the reason why I didn't make it a lead story is because it's still not done. We're, we're a lot closer, but it's still not done. And I'm sick, as you know already, of talking about it and updating along the way. Like, it's the best, biggest fight you can make in the sport. And it's like entities coming together that don't typically do. It's like perfect. But just make the freaking fight, and then we'll put it as our lead story and obsessively celebrate how great it is going to be for the sport and how good of a fight it could be, too. But uh, for now, that's my odd and end, Luke, that we've crossed a major hurdle, yet it's still not done. Fair enough. All right. Um, BC, if folks want to get in touch with us and follow us on social media, there's a place they can do that. We'll put up the graphic. Of course, Morning Combat exists. Morning Combat on Twitter. Morning Combat on YouTube. Morning Combat on Instagram. The name Stays the same, as you can see there, though, between Twitter and Instagram, BC and I have some differentiation there along the way, so give us a follow if you are so kind. Email the show, Wednesday's fan submission. Send us what you got, even if it's just a picture. We do love those, too. It doesn't have to be fan art, per se, but although art is certainly not only just welcome, but appreciated. Um, and then Dead Wrong will go on Friday, so morningcombat at gmail.com. If you want to get uh, Showtime, you certainly can try Showtime, because by the way, Cyborg fights on Friday, so showtime.com for a 30-day free trial, and you're ready to take that leap. There you go, show.com slash Bellator MMA, you get for the first six months, $4.99 a month for just not only live Showtime, but everything on the app as well, all their, their catalog of greatness. And by the way, I think in just a couple of weeks, BC, the Four Kings documentary comes out. Super oh, yes. pumped for so that. That is debuting Sunday, uh, June 6th, the same night as uh, Mayweather and Logan Paul, 8 p.m. Eastern on Showtime. Luke, I have, got, I have received... 
an advanced copy of all four episodes of The Kings, documentary focusing on the four kings of the 1980s, Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Thomas Hearns, and Marvin Hagler, and Luke. It is fan-frickin-tastic. It is Who gave you an advanced copy? You know, I, I have, you know, I have, uh, I've got people there. Look, you better believe that. Um, it's it's fantastic, Luke. I could get you hooked up with this advanced copy. Of you this. don't, motherfucker, I know the same people you do. Just tell me who gave it to you. I mean, I'm the guy with all that Bellator merch, Luke. That's all I'm saying. All right. Yeah, that's right. This is not on Bellator. And I also don't shill for them. So there you go. Take that. Yeah, neither uh, do if, I, Luke. I yeah, you just wear their merch. That's all. Um, yeah. All right. Also, what do we have there? Uh, speaking of merch. Speaking of merch. I think it's... Let's see if I can get it right. Is it store.show.com? Which one is it? Yes. Store.show.com for the existing merch. Although, again, we give you weekly empty promises of more new merch coming. I don't know what the story is there. The fans should be... The listeners, the viewers should be on the lookout for some bonus interviews this week. Uh, I've already got one in the can with Josh Taylor to uh, ahead of the undisputed boxing fight on ESPN Saturday against Jose Ramirez. Also, Luke, I'll be chatting with the great, the great Chris Cyborg today. So people will be on the lookout for that to preview her rematch with Leslie Smith on Friday on Showtime and also uh, everything else going on in the world of Cyborg. Uh, Luke, will you have any interviews this week? Yes, talking. Uh, they made me, but uh, I'm talking to Valerie Lareda today, and I think that's probably it. But I will have some other stuff later in the week I'm working on. So stay tuned. Will you will you uh, bring up uh, her DMs at all in this in this particular interview, Luke? No, because I've already done that. <laughs> You've already been there. That. Yeah, yeah. You've already slipped. All right, I got to <laughs> I got to get out of here. BC does too. Thank you guys so much for watching again. If you're new, welcome. We do this three times a week. We'll have Wednesday shows, Thursday live chat, all interviews from BC that he's doing, plus me as well. So. Tons of content, tons of content coming your way. Thank you guys so much for watching. Thanks to Malka, CBS Sports, Showtime, and everyone else involved. For Brian Campbell, I'm Luke Thomas. May all of your gains be loyal.